Amen. Now, let me just clarify something because in churches all across our country today, there will be a token woman preacher because it's Mother's Day. I'm preaching today intentionally to make a point. We don't believe in token women preachers at Genesis. We believe in women preachers. So we don't give them one Sunday a year. The fact is, we have women preaching on a number of Sundays right through the course of the year. And you'll hear one next Sunday. And again, that was by design. She's on next Sunday, not this Sunday, just to make a point. Because <laughs> we believe what the Bible says when it says in God's eyes, race, class, culture, gender, are not relevant. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we are all of equal value in the sight of our God. Amen. All right, that's that bit over with. Thought I'd make that point. There we go. And uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to, I want to introduce a, a new teaching series that we'll be looking at over the next four weeks that I call Identity Crisis. Uh, now, I'm not touching on the nonsense the wicked nonsense that's going on in our world just now about identity. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is this. You and I get really to choose. How do I want to be? Who do I want to be? What kind of person do I really want to be? And over the course of these next four Sundays, we're going to make some suggestions to fill in the blank after I am. Because when we establish our values ahead of time, what that actually does is it defines the decisions that we will make as we go along the journey of life. See, here's the thing. I've battled with my weight the whole of my life. Some of you probably have as well, right? Now, here's the thing. I've never met anyone who said, my plan in life is to be overweight right? I've never found anybody who said my five-year goal is to be bankrupt. Ne never happened. Never ha I don't know anybody who said what I want for myself is to be hooked on pornography. Never met anybody who said that. I don't know anyone who plans to wreck their life, but tragically, I've met a lot of people who have. And the chances are sometimes when we've made decisions, we don't plan to make stupid decisions, but then again, we don't plan not to do stupid things. And that basically is where I'm heading and where we're going with this series, because the quality of your decisions decides the quality of your life. We make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. And the problem is, although we've got good intentions, some of us are not good decision makers, especially in the heat of the moment. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about pre-establishing our values so that we actually will act based on our values when we're in a shall I, shan't I situation. What's your identity? Who are you? What are you like? 
What are you going to be? What are you going to show up as? And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these four statements. Number one, I am alert. Number two, I am faithful. Number three, I am generous. Number four, I am a finisher. Because when we established things as our values in life, our decisions are less likely to be based on what's good in the moment and way more likely to be based on the things that we value and how we want to be. So that's where we're going to be going in the course of this series. Because here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever given in to temptation and regretted it? How many of you are sitting with your hands down and telling lies? All right. So there's... Right? So that's, ain't that the truth? But the chances are in those situations, we gave into temptation because we weren't ready, we weren't prepared. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, it says this, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. A number of years ago, when I spent a lot of time over a period of years working with the homeless on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, those were in the days when Alphabet City was not gentrified like it is now. It's Yuppieville nowadays. It's boring. Back then, it was full of addicts. Uh, squatters lived in rundown buildings, and it was a place where you had to really watch your back all the time you were there. And whenever we'd be going into the city for an outreach with the homeless, you know, we'd be, we'd be kind of driving in and talking and chatting and laughing and whatever else. And then we'd cross the Williamsburg Bridge and come onto Delancey Street and turn down Clinton Street. And as we kind of turned into Clinton, inevitably the van got quieter. Because you're starting now to be a little guarded. And from the moment we stepped out onto the sidewalk on the Lower East Side, you really had to have your guard up and be watching and listening for everything that was happening around you. I got stories, but we won't go into them today. But you had to be guarded. And the Bible tells us our approach to life needs to be to be on our guard. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, Be careful. Watch out for the attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. Right? Be careful. The devil is trying to get you. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 26, 41, he said, keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. For, hello, we can all, all identify with this next bit. The spirit indeed is willing, but how weak the body is. We want to do the right thing, but the fact is, too often we don't. That's why we need to keep alert. That's why we need to pray, because otherwise we will be overpowered. There, there, there are two things I want to say just by way of 
starting things rolling today. I haven't started preaching yet, if you're visiting, okay? So, so here's, don't worry, you'll be out here in plenty of time. Here's, 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 here's what I want to say. Number one, the devil is out to get you. Now, I'm not saying that to freak you out because Jesus is stronger than the devil. But that doesn't mean we can kind of just discard that whole thought. The devil is out to get you. There is a spiritual enemy that is bent on our destruction. There is a spiritual enemy who himself is destined to hell and he wants to take as many people as he can with him. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, the thief, that is the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. You know why we need to be alert in life? Because the thief wants to destroy us. The devil is out to get you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this. Paul writes to the Corinthian believers, another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. In order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. Be careful Satan does not outwit you. He's watching us. He is studying us. The devil knows where you're weak. The devil knows when you're vulnerable. The devil knows where you are most uh, likely to uh, be, be uh, fall to temptation. He knows how to attack you. And the Bible says then be alert. The devil is out to get you. And, and let me just say this. The devil is not going to turn up wearing red with horns and a pitchfork and a forked tail. In fact, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the devil will often appear as an angel of light. So he's going to look scary. He's going to look attractive. That's the form he's going to take. So the devil, because you know, he knows where we are most likely to be vulnerable. So, so the devil wants to get you. And then the second thing I want to say by way of introduction is this. Please don't be insulted, but I, it's true. You're not as strong as you think. You are not as strong as you think. I, I was, uh, as, as most of you know, I spent the first half, more than half of my life in, in the UK. And, and when we came to the United States 32 years ago now, um, there was so much that was different, really different, down to some very simple things. Now, this is my show and tell bag for today. And, and, and here, here's something that we hardly ever saw in the UK. It's hard living in a third world country. No, peanut butter. I mean, I'm, I'm talking Britain 30-odd years ago. I don't know. You know it's, it's, it's probably different nowadays. 30-odd years ago, peanut butter was not an item. Like, you'd go into a store, to, you, you wouldn't find peanut butter. They didn't sell peanut butter. There was no market for peanut butter. So when I came to the States, I discovered gold. <laughs> I can live here. Peanut butter, my Lord. I love this stuff. 
I really, and by the way, in case there's any argument, this is extra crunchy, okay? Just, <laughs> all right, just to make a point, you smooth peanut butter people, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so this is, this is but, but here's the problem with peanut butter. I read the label and it tells me two tablespoons are 190 calories with 16 grams of fat. 110 grams, milligrams of sodium, tons of sugar. And I think, oh Lord. You know, and peanut butter, who eats two tablespoons of peanut butter? Who uses a tablespoon measure to measure peanut butter? You stick the knife in and you slap it out and you put it on your bread. And then you put a bit more on your bread to cover the corners, right? And you go back at 8.30 at night when everybody else is in bed and you just take a spoon out the drawer and you get into the peanut butter. Right? Which is why, which is why there is no peanut butter in our house. My wife doesn't like it anyway, but there's no peanut butter in our house. And, and I, I bought this jar just to, for show and tell today but I'll leave it here for our food pantry because I won't take it home. So, so but, but here's the thing. There have been times when I've been in the supermarket and said to myself, I can deal with peanut butter. You know how that ended? Ugly. With the spoon at 8.30 at night standing in the kitchen. That's how it ended. And you know what? When you realize you're not as strong as you think, you actually are getting stronger. And when it comes to facing temptation, if we'll recognize that we're not as strong as we think, then you know what? We're, we're in a good place. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, it says this, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you arrogantly are thinking, I got this, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm okay, I'm committed to God, nothing's going to touch me, be careful. Be careful. That is a dangerous place to be in because we are not as strong as we think. It's important for us folks to live alert because the devil's out to get us. We're not as strong as we think. You know how we need to be? I dated myself when I looked at the year this movie came out. All right, Smokey and the Bandit? Oh, you're old too, all right. All right, here's how we need to be. Are you ready, Roy? I was born ready. And that's how we need to be. How am I? I am alert. What's the value for my life? I'm careful. I'm careful that I don't slip into temptation. I am aware of the fact the devil wants to destroy me. And I am aware of the fact that I have not got to a place of where I am not vulnerable. But I am. And I live alert because I want to live my life fully for God. Now, let me just tell you three things here about staying alert. Number one, staying alert might mean moving the line. 
What line are you asking? Glad you asked. <laughs> Caution tape. Caution tape. And we establish a line right there. There's our line. And this side of the line is good. And this side of the line is God-pleasing. And this side of the line is keeping me at peace as well. But the other side of the line is sin. Are things that will pull us down are things that ultimately will hurt us and will hurt all those who love us. And there's a line. And the danger is that we live our lives so close to the line that at times we teeter over the line and get ourselves into difficulty. But so many of us live getting as close to the line as we can, which is crazy because in other areas of our lives, we don't do that. We, we, we have an abundance of caution. I guess up until three years ago, I used to do a lot of traveling, a lot of international traveling. And one thing I always made sure of before, before uh, a flight was I was always at the airport early. Always. In fact, our children will tell you they spent most of their lives waiting for events that I had dragged them to way before they needed to be there. I never risk it. I'm not somebody who says, well, what's the latest time I can arrive to get that flight? That's not me. I'm like, yeah, they say three hours for international. Uh, let's allow for Long Island traffic just in case. Let's leave home yesterday. <laughs> right? <laughs> but sometimes in other areas of our lives, we just leave it so much to rest. We'll just see how far we can go. Back in uh, 1966, I went with a group of young people from our church. We went up to London to actually hear Billy Graham at a crusade there. And we, we went up to London. We got there early. Most of us had never been to London before, a bunch of teenagers. And we were really looking forward to it. At that time, Harold Wilson was the British Prime Minister. And there was a classic photograph that went around of Harold Wilson as a boy standing on the front doorstep of the Prime Minister's residence, 10 Downing Street. And it was like a classic picture. Here it is, wow, I guess this was a prophetic picture because one day he became Prime Minister. So we go up to London and we're wandering around looking at the sights and we go into Downing Street. Things were a lot easier back in those days because you didn't have security all over the place. So a bunch of us wander up to 10 Downing Street and we're looking at it and I say to one of my friends, hey, take my photograph, I'm gonna stand on the step of number 10. So I go over and I put my foot on the step of 10 Downing Street and a cop who's standing there just guarding the place said, get off. I said, I'm just taking a quick photo, get off. I wanted to see how close I could get but he wasn't having any of it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, Paul says this to the young Timothy, run away from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. Run away from anything. Run away. Don't see how close you can get to it. 
without it impacting you. If that's where the line is, don't live right up to the line because you're going to cross it at times. In fact, here's what I want to suggest to you. If you're going to stay alert to the fact the devil wants to destroy your life, what you need to do is be aware of where the line is at. And you know what? You need to pull the line back further. Don't go as close as you can to the line, but pull the line back as far as you possibly can and say, I'm not going to get as close as I can. In fact, I'm going to pull the line back. If you spend some Saturday nights in places where you end up in a state that you regret later on, then I'm going to tell you this. It's not enough to say next Saturday night, I'm not going to cross that line. It might be better just to pull the line back and say, I'm going to hang out somewhere different on Saturday night. Move the line. Move the line. If you're pulling up stuff on your television that isn't doing you good, it's not enough to say, I mustn't see that, I mustn't watch that, I mustn't go there. What you might need to do is pull the line back. And you may need to cancel your subscription to those particular streaming services. You may need to say, I'm not. It's better to watch the Waltons for the rest of your life with a clear conscience. Well, maybe not, but other things with a clear conscience, then live your life with a sense of guilt and fear that you're going to be found out and regret and self-hate. Pull the line back. And you know what? That's not being restricted in life. That's living free. Don't get as close as you can to the things you regret. Stay as far away from them as you can. In Psalm 16 and verse 16, it talks about where the lines are drawn. The psalmist says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Pull the line back. So the lines in pleasant places and that's where you live. Staying alert means you move the line. Staying alert means you magnify the cost. How do you stay alert? Remind yourself, when you are tempted, pre-decide, pre-decide to stop. I'm alert, I'm alert, I see what's happening here. I'm not gonna go down that road. See, so often we ask ourselves, what could go wrong and you know what? The devil whispers in our ears, nothing. Hey, this won't hurt. And he whispers, nobody will even know. And what we need to do is, is decide, you know, what kind of person am I? I'm alert. I'm not stupid, I'm gonna stay sharp here and I'm gonna realize what's going on. And, and you know, one great question to ask yourself is this, what if the worst case scenario does come true? Don't believe the lie that says it won't hurt or nobody will know. Ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen in this situation? See, the danger is this. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about Moses in verse 25. It says, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You see, it's important to realize as much as the devil doesn't have a pitch tail and a, 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 a pitchfork and a, and a tail and horns, 
The fact is, sin doesn't look black and nasty either. The Bible talks about the pleasures of sin, to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin always looks very, very attractive, this side of it, otherwise you wouldn't fall into it. But the trouble is within minutes, moments, there's a whole other side to it that's different. And it impacts us as individuals. Numbers, 20, Numbers 32, 23. My mother was not a churchgoer most of her life, but she knew this one. If you don't do what you say, you'll be sinning against God, and you can be sure your sin will track you down. Or many of us learned that as be sure your sin will find you out. That's what my mother knew it as as well. We'd constantly hear that as kids. See, be sure your sin will find you out. But you know what? That verse doesn't say your sin will be found out. It talks about it's going to track you down. Because you're the one who's going to feel rotten. And you're the one who's going to feel bad. And you're going to feel guilty. And you're going to feel dirty. It's the fact that sin is going to do a number on you. Magnify the cost. We really need to do that, to, to, to be aware when temptation comes our way of the fact the devil tells us it's okay. But we need to be alert and recognize what it could do. When, um, let me think, December the 20th, 19... 69, I nearly got in trouble there. It was a long time ago. December, dis, December, what day did I say? 20th. 20th, it was. Yes, I was there. December the 20th. <laughs> 19, I, thought I, the, I thought I got the date wrong. Anyway, I got married a long time ago. All right. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that's the point. Child, child bride, but I got married a long time ago. That was the real point. But here's, here's the thing. I made a commitment to Jill, to God, to her father, that I take her to be my wife and I take care of her and be faithful to her, right? I made that commitment. What would happen if I betrayed my vows? I would lose the trust and respect of my best friend. The woman who's been by my side showed me more love than I could ever describe and more support than I could ever have anticipated. My children, my family, yeah. My children and my family who have a respect for me and for my standing as a Christian man, I would lose that respect. There are hundreds of people here and many more that I could hurt. It would damage the faith of some people irreparably. I would lose every bit of credibility and every bit of spiritual authority. This church and its reputation and its outreach would be decimated. A few minutes of sin 
can wreck a lifetime of pursuing Jesus. And it would do the same in your life too. Part of being alert is to maximize the consequences. Don't believe the lie of the devil that says it doesn't matter. It does. It really does. And then let me just say this finally. Staying alert means planning our escape. See, if the devil knows where we're weakest, I want to tell you this, we do too. I'll say that again because you seem to go dead on that, but it's true, right? If the devil knows where we're weakest, we do too, right? And so it's not beyond the bounds of reason to say, so what we should do is have in our minds how we're going to get out of a situation that would be tempting to us. There's a story in the Old Testament that many of you will be very, very familiar with where Joseph had brothers who sold him as a slave and he was taken into Egypt and went to work for um, a, a very powerful man in, in Egypt and the guy's wife tried to seduce Joseph and she tried again and again and again, but he would not respond to her. And then in Genesis 39 and verse 12, it says this, she grabbed him by his cloak saying, sleep with me. And it says he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. I think he'd made up his mind ahead of time. If she really just tries to pursue me, I'm running, I'm running. Staying alert means planning our escape. There's an interesting verse in 1 Corinthians 10. It says this, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God cares enough about you and I that whatever temptation might come our way, he makes a way of escape. He provides a way of escape. So we choose ahead of time and say, if I'm in this situation, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. We need to live our lives alert or the devil will wreck them. Back to John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, the other half of that Bible verse is Jesus said, but I've come so that you can have life and life to the full. So there's someone who wants us to have life for the full, and there's somebody else who wants to wreak havoc and bring destruction to our lives. So we need to live alert. No good saying it doesn't matter. Things do matter. And things do have consequences. No one plans to screw up their lives, but people do it all the time. And the problem is that nobody intends it to go that way. But it happens because they're not on their guard. We need to be alert. Move the line. Magnify the cost. 
plan your escape. The devil is on our case. Now, that shouldn't freak us out. It's just something we need to be aware of. Because here's what the Bible says. Greater is he, Jesus, who is in you, than he, the devil, who is in the world. Are you all right with that? I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Devil can't beat me unless, unless I pull my defenses down and I make some bad choices. So we need to be alert. We need to know what our values are so that we live by our values when things get complicated. So we don't make the decision in the moment, but we make our decisions in the now. I'm going to live my life alert. And I'm going to make sure the devil doesn't ruin what God wants to bless me with. And I just want to encourage you and remind you. Maybe, maybe this is a weird kind of sermon for Mother's Day. But maybe not. Maybe it's a good day to remind us all, let's protect what God has blessed us with. And let's stop the devil from destroying it. Let's pray together.